Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much that our home is in heaven. And God, is as hard as it gets around here, Lord, we know that we can make it with your help. So Father, I pray that you'd speak to us, that God, as we open up your word, Lord, that you'd just be with us. Father, I pray for all the people on all of our campuses and online as well. And Father, the ones in person too, that God, this would be a day that we make the decision to be different for you. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome. As we get started today, I want to welcome those who are joining us online, those who are joining us in person at the multi-sites, and everyone else who showed up here to Sagebrush. Can we welcome them? Well, we are in a great series called Believe It or Not. And I'm so excited for this series because I got to pick my own topic this time. So my Believe It or Not is that aliens exist. <laughs> Just what you thought you'd hear in church, right? But no, I picked this topic because here in New Mexico, there is this fascination with aliens. Have you noticed this? You might live outside of New Mexico, but here in New Mexico, there is a city called Roswell. And in Roswell, in the great year 1947, they claim that an alien spaceship crash-landed in the middle of a guy's farm and that three alien bodies were pulled out of that spaceship. And now, if you go to Roswell today, when you enter into the town, you will find alien spaceships on their welcome sign. They have remodeled all of their lights, all of their lampposts to be aliens. And they even have an alien museum, folks, that you can go and tour and see replicas of the actual bodies that they found. Now, personally, I'm never going to this museum. I am personally scared to death of aliens. And that all happened when I was 10 years old because my brother decided it would be really fun for me to watch that movie Aliens with Sigourney Weaver. It scared the snot out of me. I mean, it was so scary. In that movie, they have these aliens and there's jump scares like around every single corner. These aliens have acid for blood. And then they take little baby like spider-like aliens and they implant them into people's body and those aliens burst out of people's chests. At 10 years old, I was traumatized. I remember seeing this movie and that same brother, he actually showed me more alien movies. He decided that it would be a great idea to show me the movie Fire in the Sky. Okay, there's probably two of us who've seen it. Uh, but yes, this was a movie about an actual alien abduction, folks. And I remember seeing this movie and it scared me so bad. I kept thinking of it every night when I'd walk down the street and it was dark that all of a sudden I'd be enveloped in light. And the alien spaceship would like take me up into the mothership. I, I was traumatized from then on from all those movies. But if you look at pop culture and everywhere else or movies or different things, there's a lot that we learn about aliens. And as I was getting ready for this topic, I found that there was a Pew Research study actually done that found a majority of Americans, in fact, it's 65% of Americans believe that there are aliens or alien life forms somewhere out there in the universe. Now, if you are younger, 
and you are like 30 and below, your statistic is higher. <laughs> you guys have been traumatized, I'm sorry. But yeah, 76% of those underneath 30 believe that there are aliens or alien life out there. So we have to ask ourselves the questions. What do we think about aliens? Well, you might be surprised about this, but the Bible actually has a lot to say about aliens. And it's not in the way that you would imagine because it's not talking about the green little men or the Martians with like the, the pale white skin and the long faces and the black eyes and the gangly fingers. No, it's different from that. Now, if you watch a lot of History Channel and you watch the show Ancient Aliens, you will see this guy with the creepy hair. He's become a, a, a household meme now. And he will tell you that a lot of the Bible stories actually point to the existence of aliens. Whether it's Moses or Ezekiel or one of the old Bible stories, he will say that that is proof that ancient aliens actually existed. Well, I personally think that that is a little of a, a bit of a stretch. But what the Bible does say, you might be surprised at this, the Bible says that we are the aliens. Dun, dun, dun. Ah, the Bible says that we're the aliens. That we're to live lives that are different from everyone else. That we are just passing through this earth, making our way home to heaven. And so because of that, we should be different from everyone else. But that's hard for us to hear, isn't it? Because we don't like being different. Right? When you're a little kid, they give you those worksheets where you got to find the things that are different. Your brain is actually wired up to see differences that are out there. And so we like actually fitting into a crowd. But that's why this talk is so important. Because I believe God wants us to be different as followers of Christ. We're to be the aliens in this world so that we could bring more people to Jesus. And we find this all throughout the pages of the Bible. In fact, if you look throughout the Old Testament, God called a people to himself. The Jewish people. And he called them to be different. At that time, everybody on earth was worshiping idols. All these other gods. Everywhere was a god. This was a god. That was a god. Everything was a god. So God called them and said, no, you're to have one god of all these other gods that are out there. And in fact, not only are you to have one God, you're to live a different lifestyle from all your friends. You're to be different from them. God give them, gave them a series of laws because at that time, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. And he says, you've got to live by the Ten Commandments so that you're even further different from everyone else. And then after the Old Testament, we have the New Testament. Jesus Christ comes into this earth. He's the Son of God. He in himself is God, and he comes down to this world, and he's different. We find in the Bible that he is humble. He is humble in his interactions with others. We find that he taught as one with authority. We find that he did these different miracles, and he raised the dead. We find that he was caring and compassionate towards outsiders. He fed over five thousand people all that time he was compassionate and loving with others he was so different from what the world had seen 
And in fact, people started to notice that Jesus was different. So one by one, he gathers all these disciples around him. And these disciples came from lots of different backgrounds. And one of my favorite of all the disciples is Peter. I love Peter because Peter was a loud mouth. And I tend to be a loud person. Um, But I love Peter because he was always the guy to speak up when nobody else would. He was the guy who always like said what was on his mind. And oftentimes he'd put his foot in his mouth. But God took this guy, Peter, who was a fisherman. This guy who was so blue collar. And God took him and transformed him. Peter becomes the leader of the disciples. He goes out and instead of fishing for fish along the Sea of Galilee, he starts fishing for people, sharing the love of God with others. We see that he's restored after denying Jesus three times. And after Jesus ascended into heaven, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit and he becomes one of the best preachers the world has ever seen. He becomes this evangelist where he's sharing Jesus with other people. And that journey took him all the way to the city of Rome. Now, during this time, Rome would have had one million people in it. Now, imagine, this is 2,000 years ago, and there were one million people in this city. That's bigger than many of the metropolitan areas that we have around here. That's bigger than Albuquerque. That's bigger than all the surrounding communities, including Albuquerque. This would have been a huge metropolis. And here is this Jewish fisherman walking around the city sharing Jesus with others. I and mean, I'm sure that Peter stuck out like a sore thumb. Everybody noticed this guy was different. And he was different because he loved Jesus. And Peter wanted the church to catch this idea and the importance of being different. So he wrote a couple letters. And in one of those letters, he makes it really clear just how different we should be. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse number 11. Here's what Peter says. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your souls. So what does Peter say? First, Peter establishes it. We are aliens. We are strangers just passing through. And he says as aliens, as people who are different, here's what I want you to do. Abstain from those sinful desires. You got to stay away from sin. Now, sin is all the wrong things that we want to do that are against the standards that we have in the Bible. So Peter's saying, stay away from the sin. And why is he saying that? Because he's saying that that sin wages war in your soul. Peter knew that our sin puts distance between us and God. It leads us feeling unfulfilled and it robs us of our joy, peace, and satisfaction. So he he identifies it and he says, stay away from sin. Now, if we start talking about sin here at Sagebrush, that's actually pretty controversial, isn't it? People don't like being called out for sin. They would even say that, man, if you recognize something as sin, man, that's intolerant. That's hate speech. You can't identify something as sin. Why do people react so badly against it? It's because people like living their own way. And they don't like their way being threatened at all. 
But these things that are identified as sin, they wage war inside of us. So Peter is not doing this just to make our life more miserable or hard or to be a prude. No, Peter's trying to protect us, but he also wants us to have a greater impact for God. Look at where it goes on to say in verse number 12, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So what does Peter say? He says, live such good lives among the ungodly, the pagans, that when they even try to accuse you of something, they got nothing. They can't accuse you of one thing. And then do you see the turn in that scripture? He says, live such good lives among them that they may one day see your good deeds and be drawn in, be changed to where they worship God in the same way that you do. You see, the lost world is looking for people who really live out their faith because it stands out. It's different from everyone else. I love what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Why does Jesus say that? He says, he says that because he knows that when you live for God, when you stand and you stay away from all the bad things, that your light is going to shine brightly. You're going to make a difference for God. People will see you as an alien and different, but there's a reason for that. People are drawn in to those things. And you may ask yourself the question, like, how is it that I should be different as a follower of Christ? Well, let me give you three ways in which I believe we're supposed to be different as followers of Christ. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. The first way that you should be different is in your lifestyle. In your lifestyle, in the choices that you make every single day, do those choices honor God? In the life that you're living, are you reflecting Jesus? I love what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He says, whomever claims to live in Christ must walk as Jesus did. You see, our life should look like Jesus. Our life should reflect the fact that we're in relationship with Jesus. It should affect you and you should live differently uh, from others. So let's get very practical. When you know Jesus and you have a relationship with him, it should affect the things that you post on social media. It should affect the way that you talk to other people. It should affect the way that you treat your coworkers. It should affect the way you drive, especially if you have a sagebrush sticker. I know, too close to home. But you should be different, right, in your lifestyle. And when you live differently in your lifestyle, you stand out. Uh, one of the things that we do as a family is we don't cuss. We don't have shop talk around the Poe house, okay? We don't cuss ever, you know, or anything like that. And when the kids do occasionally slip up with this one, we remind them of the importance of having good language. Now, my kids have learned the value of this. And my kids actually go not to a Christian school in town. They go to a secular school. And oftentimes they stand out because they don't use words that everyone else in middle school or high school uses up and down their hallways. And so they just stand out for not cussing. 
So the other day, my middle child, Samuel, right, he's at school. And one of the kids in his class says, Sam, I will give you $100 if you say a cuss word. $100. Sam's sitting there and he's like, no, I'm not doing it. It's not worth it. I would have taken the money personally. (laughs) Just kidding. No, I'm so proud of my son. Because he decided to take a stand. He decided that he could be like everyone else, but my son Sam decided to make a difference. And that's what we have to be. We have to be different from others. Because that draws other people in. I've never seen this more than about three years ago when I joined this fitness group. Like I joined this fitness group to do a Spartan race. Yeah, it's just what you think of me when you look Andrew the Spartan. But no, um, I joined this fitness group, right, with a lot of people who were not from our church. Like, it was just this random group of people from the city. And as we were working out together, it was so crazy because many of them didn't know that I was a pastor. And so we'd work out together and sweat, and they would talk like another person who doesn't go to church and everything else. And then all of a sudden, they found out that I was a pastor at Sagebrush. And it changed everything. Like they stopped cussing. They stopped like, they started feeling out the relationship. But mostly, you know what they did? They watched me. They were just watching to see how I was going to react. They were just watching to see what was going to happen in my life or the way that I talked or the way that I lived. And after they watched for a while and they saw that I was consistent with the things that I was saying and the things that I was doing, they began to be curious. They started to ask questions. They started to ask questions about, you know, well, what's your church all about? Or how's that different from other people? Or this and that and everything else. They just started asking lots of questions. And occasionally when a few of them would go through hard times, they'd come up and they'd say, hey, Andrew, can you pray for me? Can you help me out? Maybe through what's going on. And wouldn't you know it, a few of those people from our Spartan group actually started to go to this church. It was amazing. And just a couple months ago, one of the ladies from that group got baptized here at Sagebrush. Now listen, folks, I can't take credit for that. There were a lot of other people who are followers of Christ in that group. But how did that happen? That happened because I am an alien I'm different from other people. I just made the decision a long time ago that I wasn't going to fit in, that I wasn't going to be like everyone else in my lifestyle. And when you live that way, it will draw other people to Jesus. When you make that decision that your lifestyle is going to reflect your love for Jesus, it turns this world upside down. But you got to start there if you want to be different. you got to start with your lifestyle. The second thing that you have to use is your loyalty. Your loyalty. And if we're really honest today, what are people really loyal to? For the most part, I would say people are most loyal to themselves. They just want whatever makes them happy. And so whatever makes them happy, that's what they will be loyal to. Whether it's the relationships that they have or their career or you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend or their sports team, like one guy said over here. Like, 
whatever it is, they'll be loyal to that stuff, right? They'll be loyal to whatever makes them happy. But it's interesting. In this whole world that's got lots of divided loyalty, do you know what Jesus said? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Those are the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying of all those things to be loyal to, don't be loyal to them because they'll never fill you up. But what you should be loyal to is to God and to his kingdom. Putting God first above everything else is what we have to do. And when you do that, expect to stand out. Expect to be different from others. Because in a world that just worships whatever makes them happy, Christians should stand out. Because we're different. Because we put God first in everything that we do. Now this is hard for us as Americans. Sorry, Belizeans. But this is hard for us as Americans. Because we are committed to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And anything else is a threat. We don't like being loyal to anything else. Because we want to put ourselves in the driver's seat. But God is saying, none of that will ever satisfy you. And it won't. Try as you will to fill your life up with stuff or things or pleasure. None of it satisfies outside of putting God first. Do you know how I know that? I know that from working here at this church. Because I've seen people who used to live for all those other things who had their life radically changed by Jesus. And now they're a part of this amazing church. They serve in many of our ministries. Some of them help out with our little kids and kids planet, taking care of kids so that moms and dads can come to our church and hear the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. And every single time they do it, dirty diapers and all, they walk out with a huge smile on their face. I love that we have a group of men at our church who are good automobile mechanics and they love, and you want to see some of the biggest smiles you've ever seen? Just come on a Saturday morning for pit stop and you'll see this group of guys who just love to work on cars and they're greasy and they're gross, but they do it. Why? Because they want to share the love of Jesus with widows and single moms who can't afford automobile repairs on their own. There was the happiest group of people this weekend at our Highland campus. Because there was a group of people who met at 12 noon. They got together and they got a bunch of different food and different wagons together. And they began to walk through the neighborhood around the Highland campus. And if you know anything about that area of town, it's a hard neighborhood. I mean, they call it the war zone or international district for a reason. It's one of the roughest environments in town. But here were these followers of Christ going boldly, walking around, inviting people to our church, passing out food, passing out water. But you know what the people wanted the most? They wanted prayer. And these 25 individuals stepped out to make Jesus known. I'm so proud of our Highland campus, aren't you? They made the decision to be loyal first and foremost to God. And that makes us different 
from everyone else. That makes us an alien in this world. The last area that we've got to be different from others is in the way that we love. Now, if you want to see true love, look no further than Jesus. Jesus was the most loving person who ever walked the face of the earth. And in fact, the night before Jesus Christ died on the cross, he sat down to one final meal with his disciples. And it's there that Jesus says, in John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. Then Jesus says, By this the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus wanted them and wanted us to remember that the one category, the one characteristic that has to denote everything that we do is love. We should be the most loving body of believers. You see, Jesus wasn't giving the new commandment to love others because that's something that the Jewish people had. The way that he called us to love was like he did. And how did Jesus love other people? He gave up his own life so that we could live. That's the way that we should love others, is putting our own interests aside to love them, to care deeply for them. And sometimes, if we're honest, this is hard, right? It's hard to love that neighbor who every morning at 6 a.m. starts his loud truck, waking up the whole neighborhood. It's hard to love that guy. It's hard to love the person who cuts you off in traffic. When there's like only a half a car's length, they squeeze right in, right? Only to save 15 seconds in their commute. It's hard to love the person in the grocery line who gets in the express lane and you look at their cart and you know they have 21 items and they're only allowed 20. <laughs> it's hard to love those people. And we laugh at those. But it's hard to love the boss who always belittles you. It's hard to love that spouse who every time you go to church, they make fun of you. They say bad things about you. It's hard to love the friend that always gossips about you, always hurts your feelings by talking behind your back. But Jesus' calling to love isn't for the people who are easy. God called us to look past the way that people are today, believing they could be better in the future. And so he wants us to love. In the same way that Jesus gave everything up, that's what he's calling us to do. And he says, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. Isn't that what's missing today in our world? Is Christians truly stepping up to love others. Because when the unbelieving world sees us as unloving, uncaring, they'll never listen. So we have to love. And all these things, they make us different. When we live a lifestyle, when we have a loyalty, and when we have a love, that makes us stand out as aliens. And I love because Peter had this type of mindset. Peter was a guy who loved others. He was a guy who lived a lifestyle that was different. And he had a loyalty to God even all the way to the end. In fact, at the end of Peter's life, he ends up in Rome, that large city. And he's sharing Jesus with others. But something very strange happened in the city of Rome. In fact, in the year 64 AD, three-fourths of the city burnt down. 
Could you imagine that? I mean, almost the whole city burned. And during that time, there was an emperor who was terrible named Nero. I mean, he was so terrible, you wouldn't even name your cat Nero. That's how bad he was. During this time, Nero does the unthinkable. See, the people started to say that Nero actually burned the city down. And so in order to take the the heat off himself, Nero blames Christians. Here's a picture of what Nero looked like in the sculpture form. But Nero blames the Christians. And in order to kill the movement of Christians that was currently in the city, he takes Peter. He takes Peter to the Circus Maximus, which was where they did their chariot races. And it says that in tradition that they took Peter and they crucified him. But Peter, being a man of honor, who didn't want himself to be held up with Jesus, he made the decision that he would be crucified upside down. Peter died that day. And after that happened, a huge persecution broke out against all Christians. And it was so sad. It was so tragic. Nero lived an empty, helpless life from then on. In fact, Nero took his own life at the age of 30. And he is lost in the pages of history. You will only find a few ruins in the city of Rome that reflect Nero or anything else. But Peter's story is a little bit different. See, because the place in which Peter was buried, a few years later, they built a huge church called St. Peter's Basilica. It looks like this. And now people from all over the world come to what is one of the largest churches to worship Jesus for what he did on the cross. To lift up the living God. Why? Because Peter never gave up. He lived a life that honored God. He used his lifestyle to show to the world that he was different. He used his loyalty that he put his God first above everything else. And he loved others. And through that, he turned the world upside down. And I believe God wants to do the same thing through us. So believe it or not, aliens exist. That probably wasn't the message that you were expecting. But my encouragement to you is to be the alien. Be different from other people. When you live a lifestyle and you have a loyalty and you have a love, I believe it draws other people to Jesus Christ. And I believe it turns this world upside down. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for this message. Lord, I pray that you would transform us. That God, we wouldn't settle for being like everyone else. But God, that you'd make us into those aliens, those people who are different. So that this lost and dying world can take notice that we've been with Jesus that we've been with your son. Father, I pray for the ones who are here today who are stuck in sin. They have no joy. They have no hope. They have no satisfaction. I pray that this weekend would be one where you wake them up, Father. That God, you move them from a life that is so unfulfilling to a life that's connected to you. God, thank you that you carry us along as your aliens in this world. And God, you've given us that hope of heaven. 
So Father, I pray for the ones who are here or with us this weekend who are weary, that Lord, you'd lift their spirits, that you would renew their mission to go out, to know you first and foremost, God, and then to make you known. I pray, God, that even now and even today that you'd move people towards decisions. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen.